Dr. Chris Podcast, Season 2. Hello and welcome to the next episode of Leaning Out with Dr. Chris. It's been a couple months in the making, but this episode has some changes coming. This could be Lean with the Dean podcast moving forward. Uh, My name is Chris Harris, and this is the podcast that we've been doing for a while. I have accepted the position of dean at my alma mater, the great University of Pikeville, the dean of the School of Business. And so today we're going to introduce the president and the provost. And then for those of you from the UPike nation that are listening, I'll introduce myself. And it looks like my two worlds here are going to collide and and try to do some some neat stuff. So on, on I have the president, Dr. Burton Webb, and the provost, Dr. Lori Worth. So first question, always, favorite band or favorite car, Dr. Webb? Oh, goodness. Uh, you can pick either one. And Dr. Worth, I, I, you should be thinking it's coming your way, too. I, I think I think that I'm going to go with uh, the Jeep Rubicon as favorite vehicle. Um, I just I like the flexibility of being able to do what it does. But uh, I wish that Tesla made one. Yeah. So you had the innovation of Tesla tied up with the Rubicon. Um, I guess that's called a Subaru, but maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's that's probably where where I would go. Uh, I just like so many different styles of music. I'm not sure I can narrow it down to a band. All right, I'll take that. All right, Doctor Worth. Okay, so this one's an easy one for me. Ever since I was a little girl, I was actually born in Romania, immigrated to the United States. The first vehicle I have fallen in love with, Corvette. Once we knew we were coming to Kentucky and the history of Corvette in Kentucky, um, love it with a passion. Oh, so I bought a Corvette. Um, I, okay, so quick story. <laughs> so when I worked at Assembly Line Toyota, I went, that was my first job to make real money. And I bought a truck. And this was before I was married. And it was a red Nissan truck. And I had that. And when I got married, I told my wife, that's my money. Cause she got everything else, but that truck is my money. So end up selling that for like 2,500 bucks after 15 years and bought a 1991 Corvette that had 160,000 miles on it. And it ran and the, you know, that's the tops come off. And it was the year before they got airbags in the passenger seat. So my daughters called it the day car because it, we, it was just me. This is before Gideon, my son. And my my youngest daughter, Audrey, I wish I had a nickel for every time I looked over and she'd just be asleep in the seat with the top down after we've been swimming. It's cool memories. So, and my dad's got a 62 Corvette, which he doesn't let me touch, but it looks good from a distance. So um, this is really neat for me. This is something I get to go back and do. And um, I thank you both for the opportunity. It's it's really exciting. My family and I will be relocating to Pikeville in about a year. I'll be, I have, re, my son and I have relocated now into an apartment down there. He's, he's having a blast. He's learning campus. He knows where all the candy is. So he's, he's doing good. Um, when I look at this and thought about taking the, this position for me, there's a couple of things that really stood out. One, we can do something really, really different. And two, we can partner with some of the companies I've been working with over the years 
to help produce some employees for them that maybe they don't have to spend so much time onboarding. Maybe we can run internships with them and really help them foster a workforce that helps them grow. So I, I think as we both, as we all talk here, the goal is innovation in, in how we grow a business school. So would one of you like to take your thoughts on that and go? I don't know. Should I kind of ask one of you? I've got them both on my screen here. I know nobody can see our screen, but I don't know which one to which one to ask. I'm happy to start. And Dr. Wave, do you want to kind of move? Sure. Yeah. So, Chris, immediately, I think when when we met you there, there was such a connection, your vision of entrepreneurship, the idea of what business means to you. Um, part theory, but a whole lot of practice, I think was definitely a connection for our institution. And in particular, um, hands-on experiences of young people that there, there are a lot of college options and choice right now around the world. I just got back from Japan just a few days ago and still getting through jet lag. But if you think about options for students globally, in training or retraining and what UPIKE can do as a school of business to impact local businesses, local community, in addition to the region. That's where I think our, our opportunities are right here and some of the intersections of what that would be. You know, I, I think there are a lot of things that Dr. Worth and I would both say that we really like about the University of Pikeville, but one of them uh, without question is this, we have the ability and the propensity to hire uh, people who think outside the box and are innovative. And then we have the ability and the propensity to move quickly with those ideas and then to assess how effective they are, whether or not they're effective with our students, effective in the marketplace. And we think those things enable us to, uh, to seek out real innovators and to get our students to the very front of just about any line that they might be in. And so that's one of the one of the reasons, although I could think of a few more why we're happy you're with us, Chris, uh, because we think that, you know, sitting where you have for such a long time at the intersection of lean uh, manufacturing and um, and the, some of the largest businesses in the world uh, is, is a really good place to be because you're on the edge, you're on the cutting edge. And that's where we want our business school and our business students to be. So that kind of innovation, uh, we we want it to be not just part of kind of the ethos. We want it to be built into the DNA. So uh, we're excited about that. I, there's really a lot of opportunities that are win-wins for both the university and companies. And the two that pop into my mind, one is internships, because there's no bad outcome of an internship. Either the company likes the student and the student likes the company, that's great. Well, maybe the student doesn't like the company, that's great because they don't go somewhere they don't. Maybe the company doesn't like the student and they don't hire. So there's no bad outcome of an internship, but I think there's more to it as we look at how we partner with companies because we wanna be a very experiential learning school. So all of their, I shouldn't say, I don't know who all's out there, but a lot of their problems we can take on as a school of business or at least a class and say, let us take some students and let us have a shot at it and come back to you and see if that is an answer that you're looking for. Because what I would like to do is produce graduates with a resume 
not a not a degree. I mean, I do want them to have a degree. Don't don't get me wrong. I shouldn't say that. I want them to have a resume and a degree. How's that? Yeah. That's probably yeah. And to do that, I think the experiential learning. I've done this in some of my previous roles with students. Have them work on a real life problem, and now they can put that on a resume. Look, this isn't what I'm going to do. This is what I have done. So having a very experiential based program, I think, is a, a big win for us and the companies that they'll they'll go to. And I think one of the other things that I haven't seen as I've worked with manufacturing companies, especially the, the mid-level ones, right, that, that they don't get a lot of attention, are true partnerships with a school of business and them, meaning that we've got internships, we've got experiential learnings, we've got maybe a way for them to help finish some of their employees' degrees, lots of different things of where we can partner to, to make it a really good relationship. Because especially as we deal with the labor shortage right now, anything that we can do to take, take out the unknown quantity, right, or the unknown entity of a student, if you've got an intern that have worked on problems for you, it's really a nice, a nice place to be. I talked a lot there. Dr. Worth, you can take it over. No, I was just going to say that I also think that 21st century learning best happens in an active environment. And for students, honestly, and Chris, you and I have talked about this, it's not sitting in a classroom in a seat for an hour or three hours, depending on how many times a week that course is, is meeting and listening to lecture or having classroom discussion. That's part of an educational experience. Although the more students that we are meeting and understanding in particular how, how education has changed in the last two years, given the, the challenges of a global pandemic, I think students need to be learning in an active environment, hands-on learning, ways to experience problems, problem solving, the creativity of building something, working collaboratively in a team, and then thinking on the higher education end, how do we measure learning when it happens in that environment? There are so many ways to do that that don't necessarily um, have to be measured on a grading scale. Um, they don't necessarily have to be measured clock hours inside of a classroom. Um, but I think creative ways that that could really jumpstart experiences, apprenticeship programs, and then also help grow businesses and communities. Dr. Webb, do you want to jump in? I know I'm oh. catching you off guard there, but. No, Sorry. it's okay. You know, the, the only thing I would jump in on is what Lori said right at the end. And because, you know, the whole point of education is to grow businesses and communities. You know, what we're trying to do is infuse entrepreneurial energy and activity into the region of the country, the region of the state in which we inhabit. And for us, that's Eastern Kentucky. And Eastern Kentucky has, you know, a long history of wealth generation in the extractive industries. And you know, so that activity has taken place here, but as the, the removal of wood and then later coal, um, you know, have declined over the last decade or so, it's time for us to start to think about other ways in which we can become producers in the global economy. So uh, to the extent that, you know, that creativity, internships and other sorts of relationships lead to entrepreneurial activity and the visioning and creation of new kinds of employment contexts, I think that's really great here in Eastern Kentucky. Well, we have the 
industrial is it the industrial park is that what we call it and yeah. yes. I just if you're not from eastern kentucky and you guys correct me if i'm wrong but this is the way i understand it when they went from drilling into the mine till to taking the top off that was strip mining right taking the top mm-hmm. off of the mountains and when you go back and you repurpose the top of the mountain it is gorgeous um, for, for those of you that don't know, University of Pike will just purchase the top of one of those mountains to put all of our athletic fields. And I did get a little tour of it from one of our mutual friends. And it is gorgeous. And the industrial park's up on top of one too, right? It is. Because I went up there and it is a really nice place to, to put a factory, especially a small factory. And if you look at the workforce that we have, I think you would say everybody loves coal miners in my mind because they work hard, they're intelligent folks, they get stuff done, right? That's what they do. Mm-hmm. And you've got coal families there that would probably serve a, a factory well in the region. Um, I don't know what number we have. I know there's approximately 58,000 people in Pike County, I think was the roughly around there. Yeah. And we, so I I think we have a workforce that could serve a medium, medium to maybe mid range manufacturing facility. Um, If we're being honest, the logistics is something we're working on, right? So you've got the mountain parkway. That's how close is that to being Four lanes all the way. It's getting close, right? About 22 miles from being four lanes all the way. However, you do have four lanes all the way from Ashland uh, up in up in Ohio. That's that's at I-64. Okay. You have four lanes all the way from uh, Tennessee down at Gate City, and also from Bristol, um, and then uh, Abington. That's four lanes all the way, and you have four lanes all the way to Charleston. So, you know, there there is four lane access to this part of, the, of this country uh, from several different directions, just not Lexington. Ah, so that but if we had a global or a regional company come in, they could get to a interstate without too much difficulty, just not straight to Lexington. Right. Nice. That, that helps. That, that makes it a, a very. A, a very more much more appealing site. How, what does the city and the county, how do they support the industrial park? Well, I think the city still owns the um, Kentucky, East Kentucky Enterprise Park, which is the one here just outside of town. And I know that they're very interested in, in putting more businesses up there. Um, we have an agreement with them. We've written a grant for uh, a project. And if, if that were to get funded, then we'll put something up there. Um, but I, Lori, do you remember the exact total of acres? Is it is it two fifty or three hundred acres up there? I think it's over two hundred. I don't yeah. remember exactly. But then, Chris, you got to remember that just about every county in East Kentucky, and I I think there are fifty of them. Um, almost every county has a similar enterprise park. So there are these one hundred acre to thousand acre flat ground business parks just waiting for manufacturing facilities to come in. And if they have a flat top area like that, they've got miners living in the area who probably don't have work. So you know, I had I had the opportunity to speak to the Louisville Chamber of Commerce a couple of years ago and uh not at one of their meetings, but at some other function. And 
um, they were telling us about how they had such a labor shortage and they had just finished telling us about how they were trying to recruit businesses to Louisville. And I said, would y'all just stop because you're being greedy? You know, you need to stop trying to recruit these businesses to Louisville because you can't find enough employees for them. You need to start helping some of those businesses find places in rural America where they have employees who need jobs and then figure out the logistical issues to make that work. You know, it just doesn't make any sense to me to continue to put major shipping transportation hubs in Louisville, even though they've got an airport, when that airport has planes landing every 11 minutes. That makes no sense to me. You know, figure out another place. It's a big world. There's a lot of airspace and a lot of places to put airports. Build one and then start putting in what you need to do. So if we can get a hold of some some guys that are looking to build factories, they can contact us and we can put them in the right, we can point them in the right direction of who to talk to, right? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And they they could very well have a nice lean resource right there in Eastern Kentucky if they need some help. Who's training students in those practices? I mean, come on. There we go. We've got it all. We've got internships. We've got experiential learning. We, We can take care of all of it. And then the second, the second part of that is just um, so coming back um, as an alumni. Well, I graduated there in '99. It looks a lot different. Um, you know, the Hampton Inn used to be well, the the parking lot used to be a parking gravel park drive. I don't know what you would call. It, it was a big gravel place where you parked. And and now when you look at, it, we've got the medical school, we've got the optometry school, we've got a dental school coming. It's really a, an exciting place. I think as, as I look at what we could do with the business school, becoming a, a true community partner of how do we really infuse our students into the, into the livelihood of, of the community, uh, how, how we can go about doing that, getting out and meeting people, I think would be a big, a big deal. One of, one of my sayings in my mind is I think about what we want to do with the business school is be student focused and community minded and how we do that. Because I think Pikeville is a different kind of place because once you get there, it just stays with you. It, it's a special place. People love it. Um, all the guys I played baseball with, we all love it dearly. And every time you go back, you feel like you're going home. So I think that's really a special part. So how do you guys, what is, I guess, what is your goal for the business school and the community and that relationship as we move forward? Because there's been some good things happen, right? With, with Dr. Robertson, the way that he's run the business school, it's, it's, it's poised in a good spot for us to, to create a lot of partnerships and, and grow quickly, I think. So should we go with Dr. Worth again, or are you tired of going yeah. to Dr. Worth? So, so I'm happy to start, Chris. I, I think you hit on just, just a few um, characteristics of our culture here at the University of Pikeville. Um, like like you've, you've got a lot of experience in higher education and visiting different business environments. And I think paying attention to the culture of an organization is so very important. Um, and, and we do something very different and specific here at the university. I just visited 12 universities throughout Japan in the last two and a half weeks. And it's interesting how regardless of where you live around the world, um, 
organizations, businesses, and even universities pay attention to culture. It's the type of individuals that you employ, how how you collaborate on a campus, um, the type of environment, how you treat students. And so I, I think the business school has done an incredible job of collaborating with the community, paying attention to students. Nearly 70% of our students here at, at UPIKE are student athletes. And the business school has done an incredible job of supporting the interest of student athletes while obtaining their degree. And in fact, most alumni who I talk to would like to hire student athletes from the business school. They see those students as very competitive. They know how to build a team. They're easy to work with. They come to work early. They're hardworking. That schedule of being balanced as a student and an athlete, which, which I think our business school has done an incredible job, is, is, is paying off with, with folks trying to hire these individuals. So I think extending that culture, living into what it means to be a student athlete or a student here at the university and making sure that, that we develop skill sets. And I think that's what employers are going to be looking for is not just a degree on a resume and where you earn that degree, but in particular, the experiences that accompany that, that diploma. And I think that's, that's what we could do here at the School of Business in partnership with many other departments and colleges on campus. Did she take everything you had there, Dr. Webb? Oh, no, I'm not at all. But I mean, her points are good points. So you got to let them digest for just a second. <laughs> I got it. I got it. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I circle back to culture because, you know, uh, Dr. Worth and I talk about that quite a bit. And it, it really is absolutely critical to what we do. You know, when I think of the other part of your question about, you know, where could we go? Um, you know, a piece of it has to be how do we how do we take the culture that we have here on campus and begin to export that into the community and infuse that into businesses that come? They'll bring their own culture, but then how, how do we wrap those things together? Um, because I think that, you know, Dr. Worth and I talk about this quite a bit, you know, there's a difference on campus. Um, we, we try to create a culture that is a truly interdependent, um, collaborative culture on campus, one where, where people are respected, where you know, we care about what we do and, and we care about what other folks do too. Um, it's respect-based, it's all those things, but that's not the culture that always permeates the world. And so how do we, how do we get our students to buy in so deeply into this thing that we call the UPike family that they're willing to take that out and do their very best to replicate it somewhere? And, and for us, uh, that's really about creating in the students' dispositions that cause their first response to be other focused rather than self focused. So um, if if we can work our way toward that with all the faults and starts that are involved in doing something like that, then that's a big part of of meeting the calling that we all have. It's 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 always fun to talk to both of you. Uh, I would um, like to reiterate what Dr. Ward said about the athletes. Um, Athletes and factories are an awesome mix. I don't know. I can't pinpoint it, but everyone, every athlete I've ever had go to a factory has done well. It's a, I, I don't know if it's the, because they have to manage their time so well, right? They're going to school, they're practicing, 
um, you know, they're playing, they're competitive. It is just great. So if anybody's out there listening and you, because I think the business school as of right now, so you said the, the university is 70% athletes. I think the business school right now is right around 80%, right? So that's absolutely right. If you're, if you're looking for a good, a good, good person, that's an athlete, I, I can probably fix you up as soon as I become the Dean here, which happens in two days. In, in two days. So uh, uh, the other thing is, if there's anybody out there that's listening and you want to send your child to this marvelous university, please make sure you say that you got it from the podcast because Gary Justice is the dean of admissions. <laughs> and I played baseball with him. And I don't want credit. I don't want him to get credit for anybody. All right. Competitive soul. I love it. <laughs> that's, that's right. Um, so. I, I think that that's that's probably all the questions I had for for you guys. Do you have any anything that you want to bring up to to my community of, of the factory? So I'll have people listen from I think all over the world. I think most people are in the United States, but I get some from over in Europe and uh, in various countries. We are glad to have international students as well, right? Now we're going to have to pick you up at the airport. But we we, we can get we, you have to get a ride to Pikeville, but um, we 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 would gladly accept international students. Um, our MBA program is completely online, and that is certainly something that we're willing to partner with with um, some some factories and and that we're going to talk with. But it's it's pretty exciting time. So. I guess final thoughts or questions or comments, you guys can have the floor. It can be leaning out with Dr. Worth for a while. Well, so I'll I'll just start off by saying we are absolutely thrilled to have you and your family on on board, Chris. Um, it's 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 been a great journey for the School of Business. I do look forward to really what the future would look like, in particular, given the philosophy and experiences that that you have had a level of excellence and combining that with uh, practical and hands-on experience is something I think that we'll, we'll be looking for in the future and our students and parents want. I mean, you, you brought up the idea of recruiting. There's so much choice right now. And one of the options is really not to pursue higher education, get hired by a company and that company will train you. So if you think about it, there, there, there are so many complexities to what a high school student should do next. And they all take this career class. I've got three, three, three daughters in high school now, and they're taking this class on what should I do uh, when I graduate? Should I go to college? Are there options for us? And I think really connecting with, with our local community um, here in Kentucky, but outside of Kentucky is going to be very important in terms of the School of Business. But I have a question for you, Dr. Okay. Soon-to-be Dean Harris. <laughs> all right. I'm a little nervous. Oh. No, so can you tell me, and actually for 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 our listeners, talk a little bit about leadership. So I I hope one one of the outcomes of our school of business program and curriculum with your leadership will actually be to to continue developing skills for um, folks who will work in in the business world and community and companies. But give us a sense of, of of how we would teach leadership or what it means for you as a leader and a dean. 
Oh, wow. You should have sent me that question in advance. That that sounds unfair. I You're a dean, you can handle it. <laughs> I I have a very specific leadership a very specific leadership policy. I believe in good people and gas. And what I mean by that is if you can give me somebody that for example, in the school of business, if if you can give me somebody that is student focused and wants to go, I want to pour gas on that fire. So you go, if we mess up, we mess up, no big deal, we fix it, we move on. I think the worst thing that you can do is nothing. So that's mine. Find somebody that that has the same goals and has a passion and pour gas on the fire. That's that's my leadership philosophy. I, I don't know that it's right. I think you can get, um, I remember when I was getting my doctorate, they said some leaders are really good when things are bad. Some think leaders are really good when things are good. And those leaders aren't necessarily good when things are okay. So I don't know if that's right. I just know that I really like it when somebody gets excited like me and we just go. Does that, does that answer your question? No, it does. Okay. And I love it. I mean, that's, that's, that's right. wonderful. It's your authentic answer. And I think it really, um, it really partners and it's compatible to, to what our university's done under Dr. Webb's leadership. Yeah, that's, that's awesome, Chris. I, I think the, the cool thing for me is to go back because you go back 20, however many years it was, I was just an old baseball player and our, our mutual friend, Dr. Doyle Lucas, um, Dr. Webb, he will tell you that the first time I met him, that he, I said, I'm just Chris Harris. I've played baseball at Pikeville. That's how he says it. I don't know if I said it that way, but that's how he says it. And uh, he went on to be the chair of my dissertation. But I I always look back at Pikeville. They gave me my start. They gave And to go back and be able to see if we can do that with a bunch of other kids is just really exciting to me. I don't, I don't know how many, but we're going to try to do a lot. So, so Chris, one of the things that is intriguing to me and has been for some time is the thought of a school or college of business becoming a a center of business itself. So, you know, I, I have this old model in my mind of, of apprenticeship training where when someone came in to learn a new skill, they joined the business and they learned that skill while they worked in that business. So I'm thinking of, you know, the old blacksmith, for example, you know, he would take on three new apprentices. He would teach them blacksmithing and then they would actually become his competition, but they would usually go to some place further away so that they weren't in you know direct competition with him. And, and I've often thought, what if a college of business owned and operated a handful of small businesses. And inside those small businesses, they used them as training ground for all of the students who came through. They had a chance to be employees, to be managers, to be in HR, to help with accounting, to do all of the things that are important to business. And, and then could use those skills, not only to run a thriving business, but also to go on out into the world afterward. And as you said, to build a resume in addition to a degree, because both of those things are important. But what the latter does is that it allows the future employer to say to themselves, can this person do these things? And to know with certainty that they can, because they have. 
So, so that's one of the things that you said was important. I really think that one of the keys to that is going to be recruiting businesses to come and then perhaps even starting businesses on our own. And I'll, I'll leave it with this because this is a, um, a model that we set up at my last institution. Uh, we, we had a, a company that came in that was having a, it was a franchise company and I, I don't want to use the name here uh, for you know obvious reasons, but uh, they had franchises that would occasionally fail. And they had sold the rights to the franchise to a franchisee and that franchisee just didn't work hard enough uh, to make that business work. So all of the, the site, the lease from the site, the materials, all the equipment defaulted back to the franchise. And they didn't want them. They, they, what they wanted was a thriving business because that's how a franchise works. And so they came to us and said, we would like to run a business competition on your campus and whoever wins it, we will give them a failing franchise and we'll see what they can do. We did that. We created that competition and they gave them franchises. And the beautiful thing about that was every one of those franchises turned around and started turning incredible profit because these kids had worked hard to get their franchise and written into the clause of every franchise contract that went through this process was this phrase. 5% of all profit must come back to the university. Oh, wow. That helped that university create a business program that's still thriving right now. So if we can start to think about, and it's not just that idea, I don't want you to necessarily take that idea, but ideas like that, mm -hmm. come up with your own creative ideas that we can, can use to really begin to both give back and to empower our students to do even more Gosh, Chris, those, those are the crazy ideas that Lori and I dream up at two o'clock in the morning and that <laughs> I know you probably wake up doing as well. I, I know only because I've gotten texts from you at weird hours in the middle of the night. So um, if that's what we're about, that's what we're about. And if that's what sets us apart, God bless us. Well, it's it's exciting times. And um, as, I, as an alumni, I, I want to thank the both of you, what you guys have done of course, now that you're my boss, it's going to be, pretend I'm just an alumni since I haven't started. Um, and, and thank you guys both for all that you do for the university. It is, it was a special place 20 years ago. Now it's a special place and a thriving place. And um, it's really, really impressive to see as you go back. So I know there's some alumni guys that, that listen to this. Um, if you played baseball for Johnny LeMaster, you're always welcome in the school of business Dean's office, even if you play for somebody else, you can come by. Um, but um, it, it's going to be fun to get back and connect and, and be back on the Hill. There's nothing like the mountains. I've traveled all over the U S and there's nothing like the Appalachian mountains. Of course, we don't know how to say it, right? It's either Appalachian or Appalachian. Um, I don't know that there's a correct pronunciation. So, but we'll take it either way you say it, right? We're not, we're not picky. Absolutely. Right. We love our students. We care for them deeply. Well, thank you both very much, and um, I look forward to getting up there on the hill, and, and we'll talk again soon. See you in a couple of days. Thank you. Thank Bye, you. everybody. This has been the Leaning Out with Dr. Chris podcast. We sure hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions or you have any ideas for the show or you have a question you'd like for us to answer, please let us know. Send us an email at podcast at harrisleansystems.com. That's podcast at harrisleansystems.com. Also, feel free to check us out online 
at www.harrisleansystems.com.